We'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for February 11th, 2019. This is continuing on with Derek Prince's teaching, How to Pass from Curse to Blessing. I backed it up just a hair, uh, and then, um, so we'll go from there. See, Jacob had pronounced the destiny of his wife. Now, this comes very close home. Another person, as I've already mentioned, is a father. Second to the blessing of God, the most desirable thing in life is a father's blessing. And one of the things to be feared most is a father's curse. Now, many fathers have put a curse on their children without knowing it. And I know this because I've dealt with so many and helped them out of it. See, a father can have, say, three children. The first is clever. The third is clever, but the middle child is not really so bright. So the father doesn't like the middle child. You know what I've noticed about parents? If there's one child they don't like, it's usually the one that's most like themselves. I think they don't like what they see of themselves in that child. So the father says to this child, you'll never make good, you'll never succeed. Your brothers are clever, but you'll be a failure all your life. You know what that is? It's a curse. And you'd be amazed how many people struggle all their way through life because of a parental curse pronounced upon them. Another kind of person that can pronounce a curse is a teacher, because a teacher has authority over his or her pupils. And again, it may be that a teacher in the early years has one pupil whom she really just can't get on with, you know? There's some kind of personality clash. And she says things like that. So you, you'll never learn. You just will never learn to read. You just haven't got it. You'll never succeed. What's that? It's a curse. And again, I've dealt with people who've had to be delivered from a curse pronounced by a teacher. There's many different, another person who can do it is a pastor. Because a pastor has spiritual authority over his congregation. Suppose a pastor has a clash with a member of his congregation. That person leaves, maybe in a bad spirit. The pastor says, wherever you go, you'll never succeed. Till you put things right with this church, you'll never get on anywhere. Do you think pastors ever talk like that? <laughs> Believe me, they do. You know what that is? It's a curse. Uh, religious groups are terrible about that. If you break away from some groups, they will automatically put a curse upon you. And believe me, that's not something that is of no consequence. It's real. We've got to go on. The next category is a very common one, self-imposed curses. Curses that people pronounce on themselves. We'll go back to the story of Isaac and Rebekah. You remember that Rebekah had persuaded Jacob to uh, steal the blessing or to get the blessing. I wouldn't say exactly steal him, but cheat his way into the blessing. Now, Jacob was smart and he said in uh, Genesis 27:12, perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to him to be a deceiver and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. And his mother said to him, On me be thy curse, my son. It'll come on me, not on you. 
she pronounced a curse on herself. Later on in the chapter, she said to her husband, Isaac, she complained about the wives that Esau had married, who were the daughters of Heth, and she didn't approve of them. Actually, they have a saying in, amongst the Jewish people, I don't know whether you've ever heard it, about a Yiddish mama, a Jewish mother, who basically seeks to determine the whole course of her family, her children, everything. There's a story about one that was in a theater, and um, she said, is there a doctor in the house? And this man stood up and she said, boy, do I have a daughter for you. If, you. if you've never met the type, but they're not only found amongst Jewish people, they're found amongst all races. The mother who runs everybody, plans everybody's life, determines whom everybody should marry. Well, Rebecca really wasn't getting things the way she wanted them. And she said this to Isaac in verse 46, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life do to me? You see, she pronounced a double curse on herself. She said, I'm weary of my life. What's the good of living? I might as well die. And I cannot tell you how many people we've dealt with who've pronounced a curse on themselves by saying, I wish I were dead. What's the good of living? I'm not going to make it. You don't have to say that very often. It's like an invitation to the spirit of death. And you don't have to give many invitations. He'll come in. We've seen scores of people delivered from the spirit of death. In one meeting in Northern Ireland in November last year, I prayed collectively for the people that needed deliverance from the spirit of death in an audience of about 2,000 people. And about 50 people received simultaneous deliverance. And most of them were young people. How does it come in? This attitude of hopelessness. No good living. What's got life got to offer to me? I might as well be dead. Brothers and sisters, it's a terribly dangerous thing to say. You're really pronouncing a curse on yourself. And you know how busy the devil is to trick you into saying that? You sometimes say it for very inadequate reasons, in a fit of pique or discouragement but you're settling your own destiny. One other tragic example from the New Testament, familiar, I'm sure, to most of us, Matthew 27. Matthew 27, verses 24 and 25. The scene of the trial of Jesus by Pontius Pilate. Verse 24, when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, <coughs> he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. What's that? Yes. It's a self-imposed curse. And you really cannot understand the history of the Jewish people over the last 19 centuries until you see that one major factor in it is a self-imposed curse that goes on from generation to generation to generation. His blood be upon us and our children. Whether Okay, so I, I mentioned this earlier, but this is important. And this is why 
you know, when, when you're looking at the Jewish race, it's important to separate the synagogue of Satan Jews from the Jews that are blinded, even to this day, for the most part. And they self-imposed this this curse. I've done a whole teaching, just key in um, biblical affliction in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. I believe it's like the, the biblical reason for the Jewish affliction, something like that. I did a whole study on this. And where we're trying to look at this with biblical balance, we're not just, you know, saying that the Jews can do no wrong, but at the same time, we're not, we're not condemning the whole Jewish race. Because there seems to be a lot of ministries that either go one way or another on that one. Uh, Matthew 27, 22 says, Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And they said unto him, Let him be crucified. Now this is the group of Jews there saying this. And the governor said, Why, what evil hath he done? And he's, even Pilate's like, Come on, I'm trying to get you guys to do the right things. What evil have he done? But they cried out more, more saying, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made, he took water, washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. He even called him a just person. He was trying to get them to the right, do the right thing. But they had a tradition where they could release one of the uh, evidently Jewish prisoners on this particular day. And that's why he was trying to get him to release Jesus. Then answered all the people and said, his blood be upon us and our children. And that curse has continued to this day. And that is why blindness, in part, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. But we're not to boast against the wild olive branches like it talks about in Romans, which were the actual literal bloodline Jews that Jesus Christ said he came to his own and his own received him not. And then at one point, then the emphasis shifted over to the Gentiles because his, very, his, his own people kind of collectively put him on the cross. Now, not everyone. I mean, the disciples were Jewish and they were still followers. We're talking more of a collective thing here on why this all happened. So anyway, I just wanted to, to kind of touch on that again. Children in that context means our, means our succeeding generation. It's tragic, terrible. The next source of curses is men representing Satan, witch doctors. Now, don't laugh at me, but I think I know what it is in Maori. Tohonga, is that right? Yeah, well, it's every language has that word, believe me. And they are experts at cursing. That's their profession. And they're not, they're very skillful. They know how to do it. In East Africa, when I was principal of a college for training African teachers, one of my students from a certain remote mountain area told me this story. He said in his village, two families quarreled. And one family went to the witch doctor, paid him a kid, a goat, and said, put a hex on the other family. And the witch doctor said, all right. At, at midnight on a certain night, a jackal will cry in the village and the son of that family will die. And at midnight on that night, a jackal cried and the son died. If he didn't die of anything else, he died of sheer fright. You understand? 
Uh, Ruth and I were in Zambia last year, and one of the ministries that we have is praying for barren women who can't have children. And so out of this large crowd of about 7,000 people, we called for women in that condition. About 400 women came forward for prayer. And before we prayed for them, we asked the interpreter to ask them how many of them had been to a witch doctor to get a potion to enable them to have children. And there were only two that didn't raise their hands out of 400. See, if you know parts of Africa, they are totally dominated by witch doctors. Everything in their lives is controlled by the unseen spiritual power of witch doctors. When we came with this message there about the release from the curse, it was one of the most dramatic changes I've ever seen in people. After they had listened to my teaching and said the prayer after me, those people were visibly transformed. Up to that time, you hardly saw them smile. From then on, they were... We're getting to the prayer, and I'm, I'm going to amply lay that out. It's going to be, not only is he going to lead you through it but i've got it printed out at the um on the pdf for this teaching and then the things that pertain to the win worley deliverance which is a kind of a separate issue but heavily relates that's going to be connected with this as well so this is going to be man i tell you for you know literally every christian out there this is just one of the most important things you can do it's not hard you know, this is not something that, you know, you've got to, uh, you know, struggle with and, and, you know, devote months or whatever. You can, you can get this thing settled in short order. That's what's so cool about this. The happiest people I've ever seen. The change was like from night to day. And one well-dressed man, obviously a well-to-do man, when I walked down from the platform, he came up and rubbed himself in the dust, which is their way of expressing appreciation and honor. And he said through the interpreter, I've been a wretched man all my life. I've been in continual pain for years. He said, now I'm free, I have no more pain, and I'm happy. And his face was radiant. And the only thing that had happened was we'd released him from the curse. So people that let's say they have a chronic health problem and there just doesn't seem to be any reason they can't find out why there's there's the you know maybe the medical tests come back where you know we can't find anything well this could be the whole this could explain it all there was a guy that was delivered of something that was actually causing him a miserable life health wise and he was delivered instantly the We've become so civilized in some places that we've lost touch with some things that are very real. But they're still real even if we don't believe in them. You can say you don't believe in viruses, but if you get one, you'll get sick. The example, we don't need to go into it in detail, in the Bible is Balaam, the witch doctor. Yeah. The king of Moab knew he couldn't defeat Israel in war. So he hired Balaam and said, come and pronounce a curse on them. Because I know the one you is cursed and the one you bless is blessed. That's typical. Most African tribes, before they go into battle, they'll get the witch doctor to put a curse on their enemies. Then they believe they'll be able to defeat them. And that does perhaps not so far away as Africa. 
All right, two more, and we are coming near the end of this part. Another source of similar problems is what I call soulish prayers or utterances. And I'd just like to turn very quickly to James chapter 3. I am trying to make this brief, but I want to make it complete, because some of you may not have another opportunity. James chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. Paul, uh, James is talking about two kinds of wisdom, and he talks about one that's not God's wisdom. <clears throat> and he says it has three <laughs> characteristics. It's earthly. Then he says in Greek it's soulish. <coughs> it's the expression of the soul, not of the spirit. And when it's that, the next thing it is, is demonic. And I'll tell you that there are some people who pray for you that you'd be better off without their prayers. That sounds shocking. But you see, some... And also being careful where the Bible says, you know, lay hands suddenly on no man. Well, what that also means is be careful who you let lay hands on you. Because obviously there are biblical applications of laying on of hands and part blessings and healings and things of this nature. But, you know, especially in today's day and age, uh, a lot of that goes on in the whole charismatic circles and things of this nature. And that's one of the main ways that, you know, evil spirits can be imparted and things of this nature. So you got to be careful regarding those things as well. If you're a preacher, for instance, they've got their own ideas of what your ministry should be and where you should go, and they'll try to pray you there. And it may not be at all the will of God, but you have this pressure against you every time you try to do certain things, which what are they praying against. Or people may just sit and talk about you, Christians criticize one another, talk about one another, run one another down. That generates a negative power that's released against the people you talk about. I'm not going to go into this in detail, but I could spend an hour on it. Understand? It's very important to know where your problems are coming from. Sometimes they're coming from people quite close to you. There have been men who have been sick for years because their wife had a death wish for them. Understand? There's a lot of things in the human soul that we don't fully understand. It's got a lot of power for good or evil. If it's under the control of the Holy Spirit, it will be for good. But if it's under other forces, it can be just as powerful for evil. And finally, in this section, Another source of these problems is what I call unscriptural covenants. In Exodus 23, verse 32, God warned Israel about the nations whose land they were about to enter. They were all wicked, idolatrous nations. And God said to Israel, You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. 
You see, if you make a covenant, which is a very solemn agreement, with evil people who are under the power of evil forces, you come under the power of those evil forces. Now, there are particularly true of secret societies. In America, for instance, the Ku Klux Klan. And worldwide, the Freemasons. Just have to tell you that that is a sure road to disaster for your descendants. I can't estimate the number of crippled, retarded, unhappy children whose problems go back to a parent in the Freemasons. You can do what you like about it. And again, you've heard me say this many times, but you know, if your children's if your children are being vaccinated with you know vaccines literally in like a witch's brew cultured off aborted babies to me i don't really think you need to pray about how that could curse somebody and satan's always trying to destroy us for lack of knowledge that's the main way he operates is in secret so lest we be ignorant of his devices lest he get an advantage of us and that's why the bible talks about that that there's just so many pitfalls. But I'm telling you, the consequences are ordered by God, and you can't change them. You are not free to make a covenant with people on the basis of anything but the covenant that's made in the blood of Jesus. That's a very powerful binding covenant, but evil covenants are also powerful and binding. Now, Let's look briefly at the forms that blessings and curses take. <coughs> if you want to study this in detail, there's one chapter that's devoted solely to it. It's chapter 28 of the book of Deuteronomy. It's got 68 verses. The first 14 verses deal with blessings, and the remaining 54 verses deal with curses. And when you've read that list of curses, I think you should want something else. <laughs> and the source of both blessings and curses is clearly stated, and I'll read them both. Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 and 2. Now it shall come to pass, if you will diligently hearken <coughs> to the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. What is the basic cause of blessings? It's listening diligently to the voice of God and doing what he says. That's why God blessed Abraham. He said, because you have obeyed my voice. And then it says, all these blessings will come upon you. Really, you don't need to chase the blessings. What you need to do is meet the conditions. God will take care of the blessings. And then, in verse 15 and onwards, we come to the curses. But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. What's the cause of the curses? Not listening to the voice of the Lord and not doing what he says. It's very, very simple, basically. Now, 
If you want to, you can read through that whole list of blessings and curses for yourself. Excuse me. But I will give you my very brief summary. And you check for yourselves. Don't just take it because I say it. Here's my summary of the blessings. Exaltation. Being lifted up. Health. Reproductiveness. Reproducing in every area of your life. Your family. Your farm. Your animals. Everything. Prosperity. Victory. And God's favor. I'll read that once more. Exaltation, health, reproductiveness, prosperity, <coughs> victory, and God's favor. One of the simple statements of blessing is, you'll be above only and not beneath. You'll be the head and not the tail. And I sat down and worked that out once, and I thought, what does it mean to be the head and not the tail? And it's like this, the head makes the decisions, the tail gets dragged around. So which end are you, the head or the tail? Are you making the decisions? Are you taking the initiative? Are you determining the way things happen? Or are you at the mercy of circumstances, under financial pressure, health pressure, family pressure, being just dragged around? If you're the tail, it's a curse. If you're the head, it's a blessing. Now let's look at the summary of the curses. And as I said, this is 54 verses, so the summary is brief. First of all, humiliation. Second, failure to reproduce in any area of your life. Barrenness is a curse without any qualification. Mental and physical sickness. Family breakdown, divorce, alienation of children, and so on. Poverty, which is a curse, not a blessing. If you think poverty is a blessing, why do you work so hard to get rid of it? And if you think sickness is a blessing, why do you go to the doctor to get rid of it? Why involve that poor doctor in fighting against God and removing the blessing from your life? Defeat. Oppression, failure, and God's disfavor. I'll give it to you once more. Humiliation, failure to reproduce, mental and physical sickness, family breakdown, poverty, defeat, oppression, failure, and God's disfavor. Now, I'll give you my own little list which is just based on personal experience and observation over the years. I made it independently of that chapter, 28 of Deuteronomy. It's interesting how close they are. I have seven things, seven factors in people's lives, which when I discover, lead me to conclude that they're probably under a curse. Number one, mental and emotional breakdown, and especially emotional breakdown. Now, if it just happens once in one life, there could be other causes. But if it is a thing that recurs frequently in a family, 
you can be sure that family is under a curse. I mean, how many people are in psychotropic meds, like Prozac and these types of things? I mean, that's, typically those are prescribed because of that same thing he's talking about here. Number two, repeated or chronic sicknesses, especially without clear medical diagnosis. When you go to the doctor and he says it's one thing, you go back six months later, he says it's another, or you have a pain and nobody can find out why you have a pain, but you have a pain. And especially again, if these things run in families, I would say almost certainly that family is under a curse. Third, repeated miscarriages and related female problems. And Ruth and I have come to the place, if women come for that kind of prayer, which we pray for very frequently, once we hear the diagnosis, we simply treat it as a curse. We don't even do any investigating. And we have seen scores of people dramatically change. Number now, here's also a great example if, like, let's say you go on the greatest supplement protocol in the world, targeted in, it's, it appears to be exactly what you need, and maybe it is what you need, but you've got a curse that's there that's causing the condition. No matter how much supplementation you do, it's not going to correct the underlying problem, which in this particular case is a curse. The breakdown of marriage and family alienation. And let me just say one thing that I can't take time to explain. Witchcraft is homebreaker number one. Wherever that power comes to work in a family, it will ultimately break up the family. Number five, continuing financial insufficiency, especially where the income appears sufficient. You know, there are lots of people who always have enough money, but it's never enough. You know that? You might be one of them. Well, you begin to check. <laughs> I got a letter from a lady in the United States a couple of years ago. She said, I think my husband's family is under a curse. She'd heard my teaching. So I wrote back and said, tell me why you think your husband's family is under a curse. And this was the answer I got. She said, well, my husband's estate runs into hundreds of millions of dollars and our annual income is a million dollars and we never have enough money. <laughs> I said, I'm convinced. <laughs> That's so characteristic, see. If, if there's a curse over your life, nothing ever really works. And you can be highly educated and qualified to succeed, but you never quite break through to success. Number six, accident prone and when I meet that I really don't look any further you see that is a statistically diagnosable condition if you are accident prone an insurance company will put up your insurance premium see, simply on that basis and number seven a history of suicides or unnatural deaths and I hope I can say this without being offensive but if you want to look and a very conspicuous family that bears all the marks of a family curse, it's the Kennedy family in America. Now, we come to the punchline, the practical, how to pass from curse to blessing. First of all, you have to understand, full provision has already been made through the death of Jesus on the cross. 
That's the way that God has made provision for every human need, including this one. If you look in Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that in order that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Notice the exchange. The death of Jesus on the cross, the atonement, was an exchange in which all the evil due to us came upon Christ, that all the good due to him might be made available to us, whatever aspect you look at it. He was wounded that we might be healed. He died that we might have life. He was made sin that we might be made righteousness. He was rejected that we might be accepted. And here, he was made a curse that we might enter into the blessing. That's the basis of God's provision for the problem that I've been speaking about tonight. And you'll notice that in that verse 13, the word curse occurs three times. Christ has redeemed us from the curse having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Brothers and sisters, if a curse is so real that Christ had to be made a curse on the cross for us, then don't entertain the thought that there's no reality in a curse. God wouldn't have made provision at such cost for our deliverance from a curse if there was nothing to be delivered from. You understand? But it took the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ to provide deliverance from the curse. So that's the basis of deliverance. All our deliverance has to be based on faith in what Christ has done for us on the cross. Just as we are made righteous because he was made sinful, so we can receive the blessing because he was made the curse. You see, the law of Moses said in Deuteronomy 21:23, anyone who's hung on a tree becomes a curse. So every Jew who knew the law of Moses when they saw Jesus hanging on the cross they knew that he had been made a curse. Thank God the reason why he was made a curse was that we might be delivered from the curse. You see that? Now, you need to bear in mind that after you've been delivered, you still have to go on meeting the conditions, which are what? Listening to God's voice and doing what he says. Very simple. And that's in the New Testament, Jesus said in John 10, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. So that's the prescription for blessing. But in order to live in blessing, if there's a curse over your life, you must first be redeemed from the curse. You must be delivered. Now, through the death of Jesus, it's already legally ours, you understand? He's already obtained it for us. What we have to do is move from the legal to the experiential. We have to get it working in our lives. Now I want to tell you how to do that, all right? The legal base is already there. God doesn't have to do anything more. We have to appropriate what God has done for us. Very often we need to ascertain the cause or the source of the curse. Not always, but very often. And that's why I spent quite a long while
going over the various possibilities because I was trusting the Holy Spirit to speak to many of you and open your eyes as we prayed at the beginning that you could see suddenly the reason why you've struggled all your life. You and I, that's the reason I played this whole teaching because if we just go right to the prayer at the very end, a lot of you are, are like he said, talking about having your eyes open. I mean, I covered some other subjects that you might not have been aware of. So it's very important, I think, to be aware of these things when you're seeking deliverance from a curse. You, you want to you know what you're, you know, what you're being delivered from. Um, maybe it'll come by supernatural revelation. Many times it does. Now, I'm not saying you have to know, but in many cases, God wants us to know what we are being delivered from, how it came upon us. If God shows you, then you act on what he shows you. Now, the process of release. The basic pattern is stated in four words which begin with R-E. This just happens to be so. Recognize, repent, renounce, and resist. Recognize your problem and its cause. Repent of anything that ever opened you to it. Renounce the curse and resist every attempt of Satan to keep you under the curse. Okay? Recognize, repent, renounce, resist. Now, more, more in more detail, specific steps. First of all, establish a clear scriptural basis. I've given you one. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse, having been made a curse for us. There are other scriptures which I just mentioned. Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. 1 John 3, 8. A beautiful short scripture. The second half of the verse. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's good news. All right. Now, this is what you need to do. Very simply. Confess your faith in Christ, because he's the high priest of our confession. Commit yourself to obedience because that's the condition for continuing in blessing. Confess any known sins of yourself or your ancestor. Like my aunt was a fortune teller, or my grandmother was in Christian science, or my father was a Freemason. Many, many different possibilities. And you have to identify yourself with the sin in your family that brought it upon your family. You understand? You confess it on behalf of your family. Forgive all other persons, and maybe the very person that is the cause of the curse. Because if you don't forgive, unforgiveness is a barrier to the answer to your prayer. Jesus said, when you stand praying, Forgive if you have anything against anybody. 
Okay? That leaves out nothing and nobody. Remember, forgiveness is a decision, it's not an emotion. Simply, it's tearing up the IOUs. Number six, renounce all contact with the occult or with secret societies and get rid of contact objects. You cannot keep in your house anything that in any way binds you to the occult. Images, charms, uh, Buddhas, Ouija boards, tarot cards, a whole host of things. Moses warned Israel, he said, if you take an accursed thing into your house, you become accursed like the thing. I think of a, a lady judge in the United States who was miraculously healed when I prayed for her. She'd been in pain for 10 years, night and day, with an intestinal problem. She had adhesions, and her insides had been sewn up with plastic clips. And when God healed her, not merely did he take away the pain and heal the adhesions, but he removed the clips. That's, that's, that's what you'd call a miracle. Um, but the interesting thing is, in a sweepstakes, she earned a free holiday in Mexico. So she and her lady friend went, came back, and the next day they phoned Lydia and me, and they were in desperation. They said this lady tried to commit suicide. She tried to drown herself in the bath last night. Come over quickly. So Lydia and I went over. They said, we don't know what's happened. Everything was wonderful. I was saved. I was healed. Uh, I said, you've been to Mexico? They said, yes. I said, did you bring back any souvenirs? And they thought for a while. They said, yes. I said, was any of them in any way connected with religion? And they said, well, yes, one of them was a portrait of the sun god. And I said, you better get rid of it and now. And that dear lady judge got up, went down to the basement, and broke it in small pieces in the next five minutes. And when she did that, there was no more problem. You see, she had exposed herself by bringing an accursed thing into her home. Ruth and I were in Norway this past summer, and I was invited to talk on spiritual warfare. And how many of you know what the word troll means? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a Norwegian word. It's the Norwegian word for a witch. And I will tell you, Norway is permeated by trolldom. I mean, they have trolls in every shop window in Oslo. And I had to tell those dear people, if you have a troll in your house, you are asking for trouble. It's a cursed object. One lady came up to me in tears afterwards. She said, I just want to thank you. After all these years, I understand the problems in my house. She was a well-educated spiritual woman, but she didn't realize that she had forbidden fruit in her house. And finally, step number seven, release yourself in the name of Jesus. Because the word of God says, whatever we release on earth shall be released in heaven. All right? Whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Now I'm going to give you those steps again, and then we're going to do it. Number one, establish a clear scriptural basis. Number two, confess your faith in Christ. Let me say, if you've never done this before, and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you can get to know him when you do this.
I'll word the prayer in such a way that if you were unsaved when you started to pray, you'll be saved at the end, okay? That's not difficult. It doesn't take... Do well, hey, that's, <laughs> that's double. I wish I would have got saved this way, you know? But yeah, okay, you can use this. Is that now, again, if you're not... If you need to know more about, you know, Jesus Christ and salvation, go to my website, contendingfortruth.com, and just click on the True Salvation tab. And uh, I know that's led a lot. I mean, I've got a lot of feedback over the years. That's a lot of people have been led to the Lord uh, regarding that. And I'll walk you right through it there. That, that's, more of a, that's more of a lengthy, progressional look at, okay, you get saved. What do you do afterward? Things to expect. Uh, how to overcome bearing the cross of Christ, stuff like that. We get into that. Half a second to save somebody. All right, confess your faith in Christ. Number three, commit yourself to obedience. Number four, confess any known sins of yourself or your ancestors. Now, when we come to doing that, I'm going to lead you in a general statement, and I'm going to give all of you opportunity quietly to yourself to make the appropriate confession. You don't have to do it out loud, okay? We'll have a pause while you do that. Number five, forgive any other persons who ever harmed you or wronged you. And again, I'll lead you in the general statement, then I'll give you time to name Uncle Harry, or the pastor of my church, or my school teacher, or my wife, or my husband. All right, it's usually the people closest to us that it's most important to forgive, all right? You don't have much problem with the milkman, but the man who shares your bed, that's your problem. All right. Number six, renounce all contact with occult objects or secret society. And again, we'll give you a little pause, understand? When you've done all that, you are legally entitled to full release from every curse over you or your family. And when you've said the prayer, as the representative of Jesus Christ here tonight, under the authority of the local leadership, for whom I thank God, I will say a simple prayer breaking every curse, okay? I cannot break the curse if you haven't met the conditions. You understand that? So that's up to you. Now, when we say this, and this happens, nothing dramatic may happen. You may not feel any immediate change at all. Or, on the other hand, sometimes the results are quite dramatic. Sometimes people fall down. Sometimes they are released of some evil spirit and a scream or something else comes out of them. Whatever happens, don't focus on the manifestation. Focus on the reality of Christ and your prayer. But if there are manifestations, don't let them upset you. If you're the one with the manifestation, just thank God that you're getting results. Okay, now what he means by manifestation... Uh, with deliverance, you can be looking at worst case scenario. Tip, uh, worst case scenario would be like vomiting. Uh, below that, dry heaving. Below that, violently coughing. Below that, moderately coughing. Below that, um, I'm trying to think. Um, And below that, typically yawning. If you start yawning a lot, those are ways that demons can come out of you. Regarding, because this is a form of deliverance. This isn't like a dedicated 
thing, but this is this is breaking off demonic baggage off you. So this is a form of, of deliverance. And I think this should be foundational before you go forward with further deliverance. I think this would be a really good foundational one regarding that. So let's go back to... If you're next to somebody, it's her problem or his problem, not yours. Don't get distracted from your problem, okay? Now I think it would be good if we were to say this prayer together. Now, nobody here has to say this prayer. It's entirely voluntary. But I'm always glad to say it. I've said it dozens of times, and I always like to make absolutely sure that everything is clear in heaven above me. I find it's a real privilege to say the prayer. <clears throat> so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to lead you in this prayer, okay? I suggest that you say it out loud, not very loud, but loud enough to hear yourself so that you know you've said the prayer. And remember, you're not praying to me. You're praying to the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. I want you to say these words now. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that you are the Son of God and the only way to God, that you died on the cross for my sins, and rose again from the dead. I renounce all my sins and I turn to you, Lord Jesus, for mercy and for forgiveness. And I believe you do forgive me. And from now on, I want to live for you. I want to hear your voice and do what you tell me. In order to receive your blessing, Lord, and to be released from any curse over my life, first of all, I confess any known sin committed by me or by any of my ancestors or others related to me. Now, just put in anything that you need to confess in that context, just quietly between you and God. Just let the Holy Spirit show you what you need to specify. Okay, we're going on now. Lord, I thank you that I believe you have forgiven everything that I've confessed. And Lord, now I want to say that I also forgive all other persons whoever harmed me or wronged me. I forgive them all now as I would have God forgive me. In particular, I forgive and now you name the persons that you need to forgive. To yourself, but be as thorough as you can. Now we're going to continue. Furthermore, Lord, 
I renounce any contact by myself or any related to me with Satan or with occult power in any form or any kind of secret society. Also, Lord, I commit myself to remove from my house any kind of occult objects that honor Satan and dishonor Jesus Christ. With your help, Lord, I will remove them all. And now, Lord Jesus, I thank you further that on the cross you were made a curse, that I might be redeemed from the curse and might receive the blessing. And because of what you did for me on the cross, I now release myself from every curse and every evil influence and every dark shadow over me or my family from any source whatever I release myself now in the name of Jesus Amen now Lord because of your people's prayer tonight I as your representative break every curse that has been over any of these lives or any of these people I revoke those curses now and I release them from them in the name of Jesus, the Son of God. In his all-prevailing name, I declare these people released. Satan, I declare to you that you have no more claims, no more access to their lives, to their families, to their businesses. They have been lifted out of the domain of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the Son of God's love. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We give you the glory. We give you the thanks. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise your wonderful name. Praise your wonderful name. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks. We give you praise. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. 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 Amen. Now, I'd like you to do one more thing. It's good to make your confession to God, but it's also good to make a confession to another human being. So wherever you are, I suggest you turn around to somebody near to you, look them full in the eyes and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. All right? Praise God. If there's one thing that really upsets the devil, it's praise of Jesus, okay? If he's still hanging around anywhere, just dispel him with a time of praise. Okay, and so they, at the end, they show Derek Prince Foundational, foundational Series, Foundation of Faith, Repent and Believe. I guess that's something that they're... Okay, so... Uh, that can be absolutely, totally life-changing. And I hope everyone, all my listeners, prayed that. I've also reposted the prayer here in the PDF. 
and everything leading up to the prayer too, like uh, the things that he talked about, uh, recognize, repeat, renounce, resist, the seven steps, all that's listed here. And even stuff before that. Now, all the stuff he covered in, in the audio is not listed here, but this is like the, the nuts and bolts, the stuff that was more so talked about at the end. And I also give you a link to that to that audio. And I also give you a link to his full Deliverance from Evil Spirits by Derek Prince, the PDF. I give you a direct link to that. It's online. And um, let me just find this real quick. Okay, this is 24 pages, Deliverance from Evil Spirits, featuring the teaching of Derek Prince and... Uh, session one session two session three which is really like more of a, a a table of contents and uh 24 pages looks like it's pretty easy reading here and very very to the point these are more bullet points this is almost more like a a powerpoint presentation but there's all kind of stuff in here that you can go through and uh, a lot of meat and potatoes. So I give you a link to that. And then I, I give you my teaching on biblical sexual prohibitions. You can listen to that. Then the debt and the curse that we talked about, which is, I give you the full, it's about four pages there on that. And then after that, and this is the last thing, is the, after you've done all that, what you want to do is go through the mass deliverance from um, Win Worley. And I don't mean it's mass deliverance like you have to have a ton of people there. You can do this individually. And I give you the literal text version of it if you want to just, you know, repeat it. But I like to have everyone go through the Win Worley stuff. It's a two-part teaching. I give you part one of the link. You'll see the part two there. I like to have them go through that first because he lays it out like like what Derek Prince just did now where he talked about all the things that led up to the very, very end. Win Worley does the same thing with this mass deliverance teaching. So you really understand it. And once you listen to the, to the first part, which is almost all of part one, in fact, he only very, he just gets into the deliverance stuff at the very tail end of part one. 98% of the deliverance and probably 99% is in all of part two. But it's important to listen to part one, go through part two, and just do that at least one time. And then if you want to just do it this way, where you just say it out loud in a written form, you can do it that. I give you all that. And so I give you that, which is oh, quite a few pages. And then you're done. You're done. And I would go through the Win Worley one as many times as you need to until you are not manifesting any signs of deliverance, which means vomiting, dry heaving, coughing, um, and yawning. Those are those are the ways that um, the spirit, the evil spirits, tend to come out. Okay, so. You'll notice if it, you're like me, when I first did it the first time, I was literally vomiting. I mean, it's, it's just out of nowhere this stuff happens. You can't say that, oh, there's nothing to any of this. And then the second time, I didn't vomit, but I was dry heaving 
you know. And then the third time I was coughing. And then the fourth time I was yawning. And then I think I did it a fifth time and I was manifesting nothing at that point. So that's how I knew pretty much I could move on. And then you can, you can do keyword searches on YouTube for, let's say you still have other areas that you're trying to deal with. Well, then you can do keyword searches on YouTube for specific deliverance about specific things. Now, again, we get in, we, then you can get into, well, who do I go to? Well, I can't give you all the advice. Win Worley, Derek Prince, uh, there's a lot of good ones up there. There there are manuals that you can order. But some of the manuals, like I said before, I've got a whole bunch of them. And some of these things are like seven, 800 pages per manual on a specific thing. And I, I don't have the time to devote to reading that type of, of literature. So what I'm trying to do with this ministry is I'm trying to simplify it for you where you can get the most bang for your buck essentially and one-stop shopping and not have to jump through you know, 90 hoops to get to where you want to be. You can also seek specific deliverance ministers. And uh, I would say if I was going to recommend you to go anywhere, you would go to spiritualwarfareteam.com and there's different, they list different uh, deliverance ministers per state okay and i would say overall from the research i've done this is probably one of the most solid places that you can go they also have um they also have meetings like like they have conferences and stuff that you can go to so it's spiritualwarfareteam.com i'll go ahead and post a link here and um just so you'll have it that's a whole other that's a whole other avenue you can pursue. If you feel like you've done all of this and you've done as much as you can do on your own and you still need more help and more specific deliverance, I, I would go with with one of these, um, uh, well, just do the research there at this particular link I'll be posting and uh, you should be able to find somebody there. Okay, and this will be listed on page seven. I highlighted for specific one-on-one -on -one deliverance go to and then the, the link spiritualwarfareteam.com i'm not saying it's the only place but i i did i've done a lot of research on this over the last year and i was wanting to do a specific teaching on this anyway and in in my in my research i think this is one of the most solid places you can go so that's i believe all we have for today and um God bless you and we will see you in the next audio.